Well, with this message, uh, we will be concluding our four-week study of the Book of Ruth. Book of Ruth is a, a vital link, when you think in terms of biblical terms, it's a vital link between the dark days of the judges and ultimately the coming of, of David, who obviously became King David. Uh, we need to be reminded that in, even in those dark moments in time and history, uh, when, when it didn't seem like God was around or that God was doing much, God always leaves a presence. He always leaves a, a witness, if you will, to his ongoing work, even in these darkest of days. And so I would say that one of the primary purposes of the, of the book of Ruth is to, is to show us how God uses some, some pretty basic, pretty ordinary or insignificant people, Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, and some of the others, uses some really simple ways and examples without getting into the heroes and all of that for how his redemptive power comes through over and over. If I were to title today's message, it would be A Plan Comes Together. Just a, just a, brief, um, just a brief review of the last three, three weeks. Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, um, bad times in Bethlehem where they live. There's been a famine and uh, boy, it's, it's really hard to take care of their family. So Elimelech decides to uproot his family and move them and take them to, to Moab, where they spend actually about 10 years. Now in that 10 year time, Elimelech dies, and also both, actually both sons die, but not before they marry. And they both marry Moab women, which created in and of itself a bit of a problem because for Moabs, um, there was a lot of idolatry. There was a lot of, a lot of things that just were not of God. And in fact, they worshiped multiple gods. So that created a bit of a problem. But then we reached the end of, the, of this roughly 10 years. Elimelech has passed. Both sons have passed. None of them have additional children. Naomi decides that it's time to move back to Bethlehem. She has heard that things are, in fact, better there now, and so she makes the decision to move back. She basically says to her two daughters-in-law, you, you guys need to stay here. This is where your families are. This is your heritage. This is your background. One says, okay, I'm going to stay. But Ruth says, no, no, Naomi. I am going to go where you go. I am going to to live with you where you live. I am going to worship your God. Your God will be my God. And so she goes back with Naomi to Bethlehem. They get back to Bethlehem and, and to provide for their own well-being, Ruth goes into the grain fields. And, and this happened to be a time when the harvest was taking place. It was normal and in fact was custom that when the grain fields were harvested, they would intentionally leave a few things, a few stalks of grain behind so that poor folk, folks that are, are uh, impoverished could grab those and obviously therefore find a way to take care of their own well-being. Now here, here's where it gets interesting because the field that, that Ruth picks, unbeknownst to anybody, is a field owned by a man named Boaz. Now Boaz is actually a distant relative of Naomi through Elimelech and so here is Ruth, who has come back with Naomi. She ends up in a field that is owned and tended by Boaz. And so when, when, when Naomi finds out about this, hmm, idea. Maybe I can connect Ruth with Boaz and, and then fulfill what needs to be fulfilled in terms of, of Ruth perhaps marrying, perhaps having, having an offspring, and, and both of us then being taken care of. 
Now, Boaz actually was a great guy. He was a man of integrity. He was kind. He was moral. He was of strong reputation. So Naomi, in selling off the land that belonged to Elimelech, her husband, her deceased husband, and the fact that it, her two sons have passed, so they can't claim it, it needs to go to a relative, and Boaz fits the bill. So Naomi hatches a plan to take care of this. Everything appears to be working, except there comes a fly in the ointment. And that is they determine, they find out that there is actually a closer relative than Boaz. Now, Boaz, being again the fine upstanding citizen that he was, decides, I'm going to see if I can find a way to, to move these things along and get it taken care of. Obviously, Ruth has, has done a nice job. I am I'm impressed with her work in the fields. I am impressed with her labors. I am impressed with the, her desire to take care of Naomi. But Boaz goes to work, creates a plan of his own. And the plan is that he's going to meet at the, at the town gate. Now, the town gate in those days, obviously people traveled in and back and forth through where a lot of business was conducted, judges, etc. All kinds of people were there. Boaz decides I'm going to connect with about, eight, well, about 10 elders. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to approach this other relative that is actually a nearer relative to Naomi than Boaz is and just find out what his intentions are. And if, if, if he's going to buy it, buy the land and take care of Naomi and Ruth, fine. But if not, I will. And so the passage of scripture, which was where we pick up in chapter four then, this is where we find out again, Naomi's trying to sell the land. It's going to go, if anybody, to the nearest relative. We're not sure he wants it. So Boaz basically sets down with the person and says, are you gonna redeem this land or do you want me to do it? Uh, we, want, we have to keep it in the family, yes. It goes to the first relative. Are you going to take it, the closest relative? Are you going to take it? And at first, this closer relative says, yep, I'll, I'll do that. But then Boaz reminds him, reminds him of the, the necessary obligation. Look, if you take the land, there's something that goes with it, and that is Naomi and Ruth. And in fact, when you take the land and you take Naomi and Ruth, you would be required to marry Ruth and then ultimately in an attempt to bring her a son. The near relative decides, hmm, this may not be in my best interest. In fact, it might cause complications for my own estate. Whatever the reason is, this nearest relative makes the decision not to take the land. And he offers it up and he gives the right of redemption to Boaz. So right there at the temple gate where they've been meeting, where Boaz wisely had already gotten the elders together to, to sort of witness this, this transaction, they confirm the transaction. And it gets, it gets sealed, if you will, by one giving the other a sandal. I guess maybe they weren't dealing with the uh, social distancing issues that we have to deal with today. But bottom line is they make the transition. Boaz purchases the land that formerly belonged to Elimelech and his sons, and obviously then also inherits, if you will, the need or the, the uh, agreement to take care of both Naomi and Ruth. Um, Boaz then says, well, then I will make arrangements for Ruth's hand. And what we know is that he then goes and approaches Ruth. We know that, that when he makes the decision to do this, that the, the people are happy about this. And, and in fact, they pray to the point where they pray that uh, 
um, that Boaz would, would prosper in this in relationship. That's what they prayed. So then Boaz marries Ruth. And as things would naturally happen, they come together and the Lord blesses her conception. In other words, God accepts this union and grants them a son. And the son's name is Obed, O-B-E-D. Interestingly enough, mom and dad don't get to name the son. It is actually, the, the son is named by the people, by those around. And so his name actually is, is um, an important name in terms of, of taking care. It is, it is a blessing to God, if you will. And so everything has come together now. Naomi's plan, Boaz's plan, Boaz now has the land. He takes care of Ruth, provides her with a son, provides them with a son. And ultimately, I guess if I was to, if I was doing a Hollywood production now, I would, I would decree that, and they all live happily ever after. Now, I'm not sure really what happened to all of them after that, but this is what I know up to now. Now, let me share with you, um, What's this mean to us today, some, some 2,000 years plus later? What does it mean to us? Well, there, there are probably any number of things that we could pull out of this passage of Scripture, but l let me dwell on just a couple. And the first one very simply is, I want us to be reminded of how God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Now, when I throw out a few names like Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and some of the others like that, yeah, we, we know those folks. They're, they're biblical heroes of great proportion. But what I want you to understand today is that God also has the ability to use people that we don't even know about. They're just ordinary people, yet God through them accomplishes extraordinary things, men and women alike. And certainly in the book of Ruth, we find with Naomi, we find with Ruth, we find with Boaz, and with some of the others as well. We find that God maintained his presence in, in the midst of all of this and still continued to, to be, be an influence of what was going on in this world. And so what I want you to understand today, none of us are heroes. None of us are famous but all of us can be used of God because we are ordinary people that God can do extraordinary things through. What is important is not who we are, but rather whose we are. And God can do great things through us. The second thing I want us to recognize from this passage of scripture from, from the book of Ruth, it is, a, it is a microcosm of the overall God's plan for redemption. Through Ruth's life, God provided for her and Naomi to the point that Boaz becomes their redeemer. Now, let me point out to you, and this is an important thing for each and every one of us, God is no stranger to redemption. If we go all the way back to where God created, where God created all of us, then we have the fall. Then we have Noah. Then we have the human race basically disappearing almost to the point of extinction. But then God provides to renew things through Abraham. God redeems, as we find out in Genesis chapter 12. God promises to Abraham that he will give him a great nation and he will bless that nation. 
And as we well know, he did. But we also know that God's people once again stray. They go their own way. They do their own thing. So they end up in captivity in Egypt for, for the better part of 400 years. But once again, God provides a way out and he provides Moses to lead them out. God redeems his people. Then ultimately, God provides the ultimate redemption. Once again, he takes initiative through his son, Jesus Christ, allows him to come to this earth, allows him to walk this earth, live a perfect life, become the ultimate sacrifice for each and every one of us. That once and for all, that sacrifice is made, it's done, God's people can be re redeemed. All they have to do is come to him and ask for his forgiveness and express a desire to follow him. God takes the initiative to redeem us, and that's the ultimate redemption. That's one of the things that it teaches me in the book of Ruth. Close with a story that may, may help. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a pretty simplistic story. But it's a story about a little boy who lived in a New England seaport. And this little boy would go down to the water's edge every day, watch the ships go, or the boats go out to do their fishing, watch them come back in from fishing. And having done this for a while, the little boy decides he'd like to build himself a little boat. And so over a period of a few weeks, he builds this boat. And it's probably just a small boat, you know, eight, eight, 10, 12 inches long. But the little boy is very meticulous. He's very precise. And, and he puts a lot of energy, lots of love, lots of TLC, if you will, into the building of this boat. The day comes when he's got it done and he's going to christen it and give it its first, first voyage, if you will. He takes it down to the water and puts it into the water and, and the boat goes out just a little ways, but the ripple of the water keeps it nice and close so the boy doesn't have to be concerned, am I gonna lose my boat or not? But as you might imagine, the wind changes and goes the other direction. And before the boy even knows that the boat now has been pushed out and away from the, from the shore. And the boy is obviously greatly distressed, but he can't get his boat back. What a disappointment. All the effort, all the tender loving care he put into it. For the next 30 days or so, he goes down every day to the spot where he lost his boat, hoping that against hope that maybe it would have washed back to the shore, but to no avail. It never comes back. One day, the boy's walking through the little town in this New England seashore. He's walking through town and he passes a shop. And lo and behold, in the shop window, there's his boat. Ah, my boat, it's back. I can claim it. So he goes in and, and addresses the shop owner and he says, that boat you have in the window, that's my boat. He says, she says, no, that's my boat. If you would like to have that boat, it will be, you will have to buy it. No, ma'am, you don't understand. I'm the one that made that boat. I put a lot of energy and time into that. I love that boat. I need it back. And she said, if you want that boat, you're going to have to buy it. Well, the little boy wasn't real thrilled about that, but finally he gives up and he pays her the appropriate amount of money. And as he's walking out of the store, as he gets out into the street at the curb, he takes the boat and holds it in both of his hands. And he says, little boat, you are twice mine. I created you and now I have bought you. And Jesus Christ, God, looks at each of our lives and says to us,
man, woman, every human being across the annals of time. I created you. I created you. And then I bought you back through my son, Jesus Christ. Book of Ruth has many meanings, many purposes, but for me, two of them. One, I'm an ordinary person, but God can do ordinary things through me, extraordinary things through me. The same for each of you. I have been redeemed. God created me in his image. I fell, I got lost, but then he redeemed me through his son, Jesus Christ. May each of us know the redemptive power of God by simply acknowledging him as Savior and as Lord this day. Amen.